My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, the Executive Director and Staff of Ministries for all of Veritas Church, Michael Big Mike Rhodes. So when, when I say the term Executive Director of Staff of Ministries, you, dear listener, like me, might be thinking, wow, that kind of sounds like everything. Yep. We let Jake kind of, you know, talk on stage and stuff like that, but... Big Mike is the real power behind the throne. The man who pulls the strings. Exactly with right. Us. He, you know, I'm the sure. The man who wants to run away from this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm sure when you guys, when you guys meet Big Mike, you'll know from his domineering presence just how um, big he truly is. Yeah, how intense this guy is. <laughs> no, okay. So today, today, what I, I want to talk through is. A paradigm, actually, Big Mike, that you talked about when you were interviewing. Um, you you came to talk with some of the staff and directors about even your life, ministry, things like that. So you use this flow that you haven't really used as much since you've been here, but you talked about neighbors, neglected nations. The, these kind of three groups of people that, that you and your family try to have exposure to in, in ministry and life. So first, I just kind of want you to share, how did you come to these three categories? Like we're going to flesh through what that means for us practically, but I want to hear a little bit. Yeah. How'd you come to these categories in in life and ministry? Yeah. I think that I have to give a disclaimer right from the beginning because I haven't talked about it a lot here because I don't feel like I've practiced it as well since I've been here. And it is a, I mean, I'm in a, a group with you, Nathan, and you know that is something like when it comes to being missional, especially during like. COVID-19 season is more difficult and to have just moved into the house and worked on the house and all that kind of stuff. But with that, I think the fact that you have this filter actually, even though right now in the season, you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not living up to it, whatever. I think the helpful thing is even having the filter to start with to assess sort of where in your life, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you a background on where it came from. So we were living in Baton Rouge. We were there for, I was there for 12, 13 years and I had bought a house, first house I ever bought, and I lived there for, I don't know, a couple years, maybe more than a couple. And I was listening to a sermon one day about how our faith should take risk, a sermon from David Platt from James 2. And I looked at Erica after we had, after we had gotten married, and I said, hey, what do we need to risk? And we both looked at each other and said, we need to get to know our neighbors. And it was a like transformative time for us. Because up until that point, I knew one neighbor in my neighborhood. It wasn't a very big neighborhood. There were, I don't know, 25 houses or something. But I only knew one neighbor. And the only neighbor that I knew was the plumber that gave me free plumbing that lived next door to me. So I knew. <laughs> it's a good guy to know. I knew his name, but yeah. that's all that I knew. It was really convicting. And so it was going to take a risk of, man, I need to apologize to a lot of my neighbors to actually get to know them and say, hey, I've lived beside you for a long time, but I've never introduced myself and I don't know your name. So we started praying for our neighbors. And then quickly right after that, we came to realize that there were over 30 kids in our neighborhood and only five of them had a dad in the home. Wow. And so it was this eye-opening experience where, so we started really reaching out to our neighbors. We'll get into that in a second. And then the neglected side, just people that are often overlooked in our society, really comes from a 
a seminary class I took. My last class in seminary was called Church and Community Ministries. And it was the last one. I didn't care what I made in the class. <laughs> I, it was, I never stayed up all night until the last paper of seminary to write this paper because I just was over it. Yeah. And uh, But this class really shaped my thinking about the least of these from Matthew 25. And so I started thinking about those overlooked in society. And then the nations, uh, the church that I was on staff at in Baton Rouge was called the Chapel on the Campus. And I had never been at a church that emphasized the nations at the level that this church emphasized the nations and God's heart for the nation. So I was exposed to more biblical teaching and preaching on the topic than I had ever been exposed to before, and it really began to transform my life at that point. So neighbors neglected nations. Neighbors literally just the people living around you in your neighborhood. Hey, I bought a house here, and God and his sovereignty has put me around these people. Neglected, you're saying the people overlooked in society, maybe under-resourced or, or in, in need in some of those categories. Mm-hmm. The nations, that, that's sometimes a word we throw around in church. I mean, for you two, Matthew or Big Mike, like what's the nations? What is that about? Like, Which ones are the nations? Yeah, so the change for me was thinking it's not just, I'm not just talking about missions, but I'm talking about the mission of God. Hmm. And God's mission is for him to be glorified in all the earth. And then there are places that he's not being actively glorified. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that goes to a lot of unreached people groups, unengaged people groups, people that don't have any access to the gospel. Now, there are opportunities for us to bring glory to God in all the world. But when we think, when I'm thinking about the nations, I'm really thinking about the places where God's not being glorified at this point. Well, and that's, that's something when I think about nations too, I mean, even the calling to go into all the world. I mean, in many situations for us, especially in the Midwest of the United States, the nations are coming to us as well. And so we have this daunting idea when you say nations or, or even missions, it's deviating a little bit from the main point here. But um, we think going or reaching that last group of people, and we have some people in our own communities, maybe on our street, that we struggle to reach, and they represent the nations too. That's good, man. Yeah, maybe you listening now, you've got a neighbor that is actually neglected from the nations. Like the these aren't strict categories exactly, but a helpful filter for us as we think through um, living on mission in life. And frankly, as I was thinking through this topic, I do think we as individuals can tend to prioritize or think about one of these categories. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're you're all about, man, how do we reach the unreached in the world? How do we get missionaries to these lost places? But forget about the lost person next door because they're just, well, they have access to the gospel. They could go to a church if they want to. Or maybe you're really passionate about having to reach my neighborhood but forget the cultural barriers that might exist there. Even people that are neglected and have, have those kinds of needs right around you that God's put in there. I often think of it like not an either or, but a both and. That's this good. is not something that you just go, oh, I'm all about my neighborhood, but I don't really care about the nations. Well, look in scripture, you've got to care about the nations. Yep. But like, if you don't care pe- about the people living around us, then we kind of neglect. Like This is how the church operated. The early church operated was reaching the people around them. And then if you look at Jesus' life, and he's in Matthew 25, like, whatever you do for the least of these brothers of mine, you do unto me. So, like, in Jesus' ministry, he's reaching, like, the people around him. He's reaching people from Samaria. He's reaching people from all over the place. 
and those who were the poor and the neglected, all those kind of things. And I think that's a hard part because for me, my heart can go to caring for the nations and can sending my prayers over there too. The challenge is to care for the guy next door who might be a difficult neighbor and also needs the gospel. Yeah. And so to go on one side or, or another and abandon in some regard the other, um, you have to ask yourself like, why are you avoiding one? Are you afraid that you might get called to another nation? Or are you afraid to have a conversation about something weighty with your neighbor? And we want to raise up a whole church full of missionaries. And that missionaries are people that are intentionally taking the gospel across cultural barriers, across language barriers, into corners and pockets where it isn't already. And that that looks like our city too, right? We want people with that kind of mindset everywhere in our city and looking beyond to places where people don't have access like this. All right, so Big Mike, I want to turn the corner and get a little bit practical. Mm -hmm. Can you share stories with us or ideas, even how this has affected the rhythms of your family life? And I I know it's going to change season to season. It's not going to be perfect in every season, but how has even having these categories helped shape the rhythms of your family life and mission? Yeah, so I think first off, it it shapes our prayer lives. Um, We have, for example, we have a big world map on our boys our older boys wall so they share bunk beds and so there's a massive map on the wall super colorful they enjoy it like when we pray at night when we you know we typically read a book we read a bible story and then they choose a country this is not an every night thing this is where the imperfection comes in but on a lot of nights hey choose a country and we decide to pray for that country if we have friends that are missionaries in that country, we pray for those missionaries at that time. That's so cool. just re- it affects even the rhythm of like how we put our boys to bed at night. Our two-year-old has no clue, so he's not included in it at all. But <laughs> you know, our older boys are. It affects our money. How are we going to spend our money? We may not spend on something because we're supporting the person overseas doing great work. Or we have friends that are adopting and we want to care for the person adopting because that's part of the neglected portion for us. It affected us because we were foster parents for almost three years and adopted our oldest son. And so when we think of the neglected, the orphan and the widow in society, we want to take care of them in that way. And shout out to the foster parents in our church. You guys are incredible. And Mm -hmm. There are lots of ways where your community can't help you, like legally in some ways. But man, we, we as a church want to continue to help support you and love you and bless you how we can. So yeah, I love Big Mike that you guys and your family, that was part of your rhythm too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that changed all the rhythm of our lives. Like Erica and I didn't have kids in, at that point. We brought a, at that time, three-year-old into our home and it changed everything. I think it changes just the time that you spend when we were really reaching out to our neighbors significantly in Baton Rouge, it changed everything about how we operated. When we pulled into the driveway and we saw a neighbor outside, we always stopped. We always talked to our neighbor. We never walked in the door immediately. When we had the opportunity to go sit inside or be outside, we went outside. Even in Baton Rouge where it's like 100 degrees and 100% humidity <laughs> all the time. Like There were plenty of times I didn't want to do that, Yeah, but I knew it was the right thing to do to get to know my neighbors. And it led to many fruitful conversations. So just the convenience of time or the lack of convenience, the priorities that we gave it in our lives, it affected a lot of our family rhythms. So I would love for you two guys to 
help us as a church dream a little bit. In fact, I just I want to spend kind of the rest of our time talking through practically what we as a church can do to engage with these these three categories. Now, again, I know God might put a unique population on on our hearts. Um, might uniquely put an unreached people group or a neglected population or certain neighbors on our hearts. But for you two, maybe things that you've seen, you've tried, you've done, how can we as a church take steps to being these missionaries in places God's got? So yeah, whatever examples, ideas you guys have, um, fill, fill those out for us, whether it's prayer, action, um, initiatives, those kinds of things. I think, I mean, I think we talked about this a while back, but what you want, pray for, you know what I mean? So it is uncomfortable to always approach a neighbor and there's might be a neighbor that's more frustrating or annoying, or there's a neighbor who's really passionate about politics and you just don't want to talk about that all the time, especially perhaps if they come from a different angle, but really praying for that intentionality is a great place to start. And secondly, I, I for me, what really fuels me a lot is I know the people I know because God has sovereignly ordained that I know them. Like my house, like it's not accidental that that house was put on my mind when I was surfing Zillow one day, you know, like it's not accidental. And so when you're there, you're like, who, as I look around the houses, like who, why am I here? You know, what's the purpose? There's intentionality behind it. And those are two of the driving things in my mind. One of the things I love and don't love about praying is... When I pray consistently for a person or a group of people, I start to see them everywhere. It's that example of like when you start shopping for a car and, you know, you're looking for a Toyota Camry. All of a sudden it's like everyone bought a Toyota Camry. You just start seeing it everywhere. There have been times where I've prayed for a person, a neighbor, whatever. And all of a sudden I started to see the opportunities God had already put there. But it was prayer was was tuning me into what God was already doing and allowing me to yeah, just to, to see a little bit more creatively how he might be inviting me to engage there. Yeah, I would say just write their names down and like your neighbors, especially like just write their first names down on a sheet of paper. Like I remember us drawing a map of our neighborhood. We're terrible artists. Well, Erica's not a terrible <laughs> artist. She does that a lot, but I'm a terrible artist. But drawing little houses around going, this is so-and-so's house. And then we began to pray over those neighbors. And so that's just a simple thing. I mean, recently... Uh, one day during this coronavirus season, our eight-year-old wrote jokes and he went and taped them on our neighbor's doors, you know, just to like bring some levity to the situation. And we brought Mayday bags. Uh, before I moved to Iowa, I didn't know what a Mayday bag was. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. But this year we were making them and bringing them to neighbors. Was so, that your wife's idea or your idea? Totally, Eric. <laughs> I didn't even know it was Mayday until she started making them. So those are just some like really practical things, I think, for the neighbors. We used to do like block parties in our neighborhood. It worked in our neighborhood. It doesn't work in everybody's neighborhood, but we would have, you know, 50 people in our front yard and there'd be inflatable bounce houses and lots of hot dogs. And it was awesome just to have everybody come be themselves at our front yard. It was a lot of cleanup and a lot of work, but it was well, well worth it. So, but those are kind of like you don't have to jump to that point yet. Just start by praying and you're going to see those opportunities, like you said, Nathan, all around you all the time. When we're able to meet as a church together, again, we're recording this during COVID-19, but there's a group of people that regularly prays for the nations, for, for places where the gospel can't go forward in our church. If that's something that's interesting to you listening, even just to get more informed, that would be a great step. 
I would love for us to do some classes, even kind of showing people what God's heart is and some of the history of missions. Again, that can feel like a giant step, but even just discovering in the Bible this theme of God wanting people from all across the world to come to know him, that can start opening up that paradigm a little bit more too. I think one of the things I struggle with with the nations is because I'm a Midwestern guy. I was raised in the Midwest, didn't necessarily, wasn't raised necessarily around tons of diversity. And so that's a hurdle that I continuously have to process. I feel like I've come a long way in looking down on people for various things, but like trying to to realize that this is about the kingdom of God. And so just trying to approach somebody and even ask them questions and not try to pretend like I know all about where they may or may not be from and, and stuff like that, but just trying to learn and glean from them. And so that's a challenge. But one thing that's sweet about the nations or reaching out to folks who are from a different culture is the opportunity for conversation is so real because you can ask some of those basic questions of like, hey, why do you do that? Or where are you from? Or how did you get over to the U.S.? And some of the stories are incredible, but they're great open doors. And just to show them that you care about them. And not everyone has those kind of stories either, but it can really be a time to to get to know them and uh, get into their lives. And it's difficult because they have a culture that's mysterious to you, but I have a culture that I've always grown up in and trying to break out of what I know to learn something new is can be a blessing to yeah. me. I would say that would be the biggest thing that I think you could accomplish when it comes to reaching the nations quickly. The, the first thing would be praying, but then the second thing would just be welcoming people, welcoming the nations who are around you. So... For instance, we had a neighbor at one point when the the plumber moved out of his house and a couple moved in, or a family moved in, and they were from the Middle East. Not like Virginia Middle East, but (laughs) actual Middle East. And we just would go over to their house, and I don't know that they ever had another American in their house. Wow. And so we would just ask, yeah, how did you get here? And they love talking about it because no American talked to them. So if we would just welcome the people that God's bringing to us, that's a huge step. So we've used this idea a few times at Veritas. We're going to continue finding ways to use this. But notice, feel, do as kind of a paradigm from Jesus' life for how to begin engaging in the mission of God. So notice, open your eyes up, take them off of yourself to what God is doing around then let your heart be moved to actually feel like Jesus was grieved about sin. He he wept with those who wept. He felt it. And then don't stop with just kind of feeling and caring, but actually step in to do what God might be inviting you to do. We've called that the involved project before. Not that people are a project, but the, but the project is a way of saying like, hey, go out and do something. Maybe the project is mowing that, that neighbor's yard who can't get out because of a, a disability or something. Maybe the project is, yeah, meeting that family. And your project is, I'm going to go have one conversation today. Again, people aren't the project. Your heart is the project. Mm-hmm. And God is drawing people from all over the world. God is drawing people from all different cultures and situations to encounter him through you, Veritas. Now, Again, this is another paradigm of ministry thing here at Veritas. We, we might not have a ton of programs to execute this stuff because we've got people. We've got people like you listening in. We've got people like you, Big Mike and Matthew, that God has sent into their neighborhoods to be missionaries, to be his hands and feet. Um, for other resourcing, there's a book by a guy named the Hadi Lewis at Blueprint Church, I think in Atlanta, called Advocates. Um, we've had some leaders in our context read through that book. It, it walks through Philemon just talking about advocacy in, in that regard and some cultural awareness there. 
Another resource would be Joshua Project. It's a website that you can learn about different people groups so that you can actually pray for their specific needs or access to the gospel. Any other resources you guys would recommend? There's been a, the whole idea of reaching your neighbors has been a, thankfully been a thing that a lot of people have written about lately within the past few years. So, I mean, if you just go on Amazon and just read, a, like search, like how to reach my neighbors with the gospel, you're going to, you're going to find a ton of resources there. So that could be just something you do too. Well, Veritas, we, we love you. I hope this has just given you a fresh perspective, a fresh paradigm to think through what God is inviting you into. Now, that might turn into you moving across the world. That probably should turn into you going and meeting a neighbor. Whatever season your family is in, whatever season of life you're in right now, God has an incredible mission that he's inviting you into and inviting us into as a church. So thanks for being in this mission with us, for people to come to know Jesus and be transformed by him. Be praying for your neighbors. Be, be praying for the neglected in our city and society. Be praying for the nations, people that, that don't have access to Jesus. Thanks for joining us, Big Mike. Thanks for listening in, guys. Uh, we love you.